this episode of the Katie and Me podcast. I'm Katie, and I'm here with my co-host, Chris Hutchinson. How are you, Chris? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm glad you could join me for another Zoom call. I know Zoom in the uh, in the COVID era makes uh, podcasting a little bit less professionally edited. Professional? But, we're, but we're getting it. We're getting it done. We're getting it done. It's our it's our 18th episode, by the way. Hooray! 18 yeah. episodes, and only like five of them have I been sitting in a closet with a snoring cat. <laughs> Right. Hey, the things we do for our fans and followers. I know. Oh my goodness. Well, this this episode, as always, we are partnered with Audible, and you know that I love Audible. They are the premier platform for spoken word audiobooks and podcasts, and we're on there now. I'm so I know excited. it's awesome. I'm yeah, super excited. Our so podcast much- is on there, and so much good yes. content there. Uh, yeah. And you know, I love to like, just go on there and just start searching random things. And then I end up with like 10 things in my cart. And I'm like, I guess this week we're listening to something in French, <laughs> you know, like I don't speak French, but, um, right, but you're going to learn, you're going to learn it. Right. 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 So you can, you can try out audible by going to audibletrial.com backslash Katie and me podcast. It's K A T Y and me podcast. And you'll get, you sign up for the free trial and you'll get a free audiobook and it's worth it. You'll love it. And it is shown to be just as good for you as reading on paper. Yep, and absolutely. Glasses. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't, doesn't bug your eyes as much, right? Exactly. I don't have to have my reading glasses to do an audible book. <laughs> and you can, you can consume, like you consume a ton of material because of your job. You're out in the field, like yep. 12 to 14 hours a day. So, I mean, you can pop in your earbuds and you're consuming content continuously. Yeah. It's fabulous. That's cool. <laughs> anyway. So thank you to audible. Everybody go sign up if you haven't already and give that a run. And Chris, I want to talk today. You and I both have kids yes. and and uh, so do a lot of people on planet Earth. <laughs> and so um, I would really, I, I'm excited to talk about how do we prepare our children for a world that hasn't happened yet, right? So yeah. I, think about, I think about my grandparents um, lived in 96 on one side of the family. And I think about all of the things they experienced in their lives and just, wow, like world wars and just, just the things they saw. And at the end they had smartphones Mm -hmm. and I just thought this is science fiction from not that many decades ago. You know, like we're Mm -hmm. working on self-driving cars right now. Yeah. Autonomous is a massive, that industry is really big autonomous vehicles. Yeah. And we've talked in the past a little bit about how people are being replaced in the workplace. The workplace evolves, the skills you need in life evolve. How do we get kids that are prepared? Because they very well might, you know, learn something valuable on a computer today that isn't isn't really useful mm-hmm. later on. And mm-hmm. and how do we prioritize these kinds of things? So I have a list of things that I think we should make priorities in teaching our children skills they should get to prepare for a world that I can hear my kids from here, by the way, to prepare for a world (laughs) that doesn't exist yet. And then we don't know what it's going to look like, right? It could be like post-apocalyptic for all I know at this point. Yeah. Well, the way things are trending, it very well could be. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Will it be a dumpster fire or are the robots going to drive us everywhere? I don't know. But I wanted to start with soft skills that I worry I didn't pick up some of these soft skills until I was an adult and I intentionally went and learned them. And so I thought, man, it would be really great if I could give my kids a jump start by teaching them certain things that I wish I'd known when I was younger. 
That's mm-hmm. a great question. We should ask all of our audience. What do you wish you knew younger? Right. Mm. Um, so many things. So many things. <laughs> yeah. We could, we could do an episode on that, but I am trying and have been deliberately since they were little trying to teach my children self-awareness. Mm. And I know that sounds so kind of ethereal and like, Oh, you know, no, I, self-awareness. It's, it's, but, it's important. It is. It really is. And there are all kinds of lessons available to teach people of different ages, things like basic empathy, mm. um, core sociological principles. Uh, you will always hear me referencing crash course for stuff like this because it's right. a very digestible way to take in big concepts. So Crash Course Sociology is a wonderful course to expose your kids to and yourself if you want to learn basic sociological principles. Um, is it a, a, sorry, is it, are you just saying in general, everyone should take a crash course in sociology or is there an uh, actual website or like there a, is, actual, there is, okay. you can get on YouTube and there is a channel called crash course and it's Hank and John green and a bunch of professional, you know, professors and things, people that are very well educated. They put together these amazing short videos. They're used in schools a lot. And gotcha. some of it's hard skills. They have AI, but they also have media literacy. They have psychology and they have engineering. They have, big history and history of science. So they have all these great courses and crash course sociology. A young person can understand the world better if they Mm -hmm. have a little bit of framing and different frames and they can see, you know, I'm always preaching about framing different so they can look at the world and go, okay, I can, I can see the bigger picture of what's happening. Mm. Yeah. Well, really helps um, with digesting news. They're young guys too. One, uh, John is 43 and Hank is 40. And mm-hmm. interesting enough, John was born in Indianapolis. So, uh, Well, yeah, John lives at 86 in Ditch. Okay, gotcha. I didn't <laughs> know that. Amazing. That's awesome. We need to get yeah, him on the show. Yeah, they're, they're amazing. They really, really are. But their course, if you want to teach your kids some of these basic things, it's super. And they have a crash course kids for the younger kids. It's got Very an cool. ecology course and biology course and things. Yeah, so this is why they use it in the schools. That's but, awesome. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so, so I really think as far as soft skills go, if you want to teach self-awareness, you want to um, take every opportunity you can with your kids to teach them empathy. Say, mm-hmm. oh, that must have felt this way. Right. And anytime you notice the development of empathy in your kid, have them talk through it. Right. Let them witness you showing empathy for other people. This is really important. Teach them some basic sociological principles and then the critical thinking skills (laughs) that are necessary to analyze things before they respond to them. You want people that respond instead of react. And so you have to model that. Mm-hmm. And you have to take every opportunity you have to point out that they could think before they had responded like that, right? I need to move on from this, though, because I'm going to run us out of time again. Hard no, skills, good. hard skills, though, more important. Start with study skills. Mm-hmm. So the most important thing I think you can ever get out of school is understanding how you learn and how yeah. to make yourself do whatever's necessary for you to learn something new. Because like I said, the world's going to change. The world now at our age is not what it was when we graduated college, right? No. Look how learning's been impacted uh, this year alone with the push to you know virtual, virtual learning for so many people mm-hmm. that probably hadn't been exposed to it before. Uh, if you look at universities and they having to move to to online learning, you know, to deal with COVID spread and things along those lines. And so, yeah, I think what you just said is is vitally important. In, and we're putting a lot of pressure on kids to figure out how they learn or what best learning style they 
uh, or they learned the best in at a young age. Now it was out of necessity because of dealing with the spread of this virus. But some kids are probably learning that, hey, I, I actually am okay uh, at doing it virtually you know, in an online capacity. And there's others that are, are struggling mightily. And so, you know, we had talked offline about one thing that we wish we knew when we were younger. I think, you know, knowing how you learn best would be a skill that if, if we can figure that out for the, for the younger kids now, it'll really serve them, you know, as they, as they get older. I completely agree. And I, I think it's something that you can evolve in yourself. But it's critical that we encourage our kids when they do get that kind of focus where they attack a topic, even if it's a topic we don't love, but they Mm -hmm. get that kind of focus, we need to observe and then encourage and explain what's happening so that they can tap into it when they need to tap into it. The most successful adults are able to tap into learning something new and, and put themselves out there. So study skills are super important. And those are hard skills. Knowing that I need a quiet place, I need a clean place, I have to, you know, um, read it, write it, listen to it, what there's, you know, take notes on it, repeat something over and over you, everybody has different ways that they learn. And it's important that kids understand that that isn't just some esoteric idea. This Mm -hmm. is concrete, I can make myself do this. So on the hard skill side. I still think it is critical, and I use a translation app all the time, that a person learns at least a second language. Part of this is because there's an ease of getting around in another culture. Yeah. It makes you far more valuable in the workplace. When this you know is kind another of like language. a specialized, yeah. right? It doesn't, if you're an engineer, but you can work in two different countries and cultures or 10 different countries and cultures because you are fluent in another language, that makes you far more marketable. Mm-hmm. And I think that that layer of marketability is critical no matter how we are evolving as a marketplace. Yeah. yeah and I think that, that what that language is, not only speaking languages, but there's also other languages out there uh, related to coding and, and things along those lines, which I'll talk about yes, here in a little bit. Yes. Um, well, and but- that's my next thing is that the future, kind of no matter what happens, mm-hmm. is going to be very computerized. Yeah. And we're not going to back away from the internet, folks. I hear people complain right. about, you know, people love to like harken back to a simpler time. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, the internet's not going away. Let's move on. How do yeah, you make things There's no better? harkening back. It's not right. like you put the, put the toothpaste back in the tube. I mean, exactly. That, exactly. So we there's find just too how much to out there. Yeah. So how do you, how do you so live coding. within it? And exactly. Yep. yep. So I, I think that basic coding skills are critical. And here's very the thing. important. It's, it's just like having good writing skills. No mm-hmm. matter what you do, what you do should be communicated. Yep. So a scientist, uh, an engineer, a school teacher, uh, all these people should be able to write about what they do and accurately communicate it. So base writing skills are very, very important. I feel the same way about coding. Have a very basic understanding of how everything is going to be run at some point in the future makes you more marketable and it gives you something to launch off of if you need to go that direction with your career. So I work for, I actually work for a coding academy. It's called the 1150. I started there this year. I, I don't talk a lot about it on this podcast, but since we're talking about coding today, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it into the, to the conversation. But we are even seeing, in addition to 
the need to train people in coding, which uh, we call it coding, but really there's web development or software development are, are kind of the two areas that make up coding. And then there's a ton of different coding languages that, that people can learn. And so to your point, Katie, it's not even like learning a new language, but there's then languages within that language um, that you can learn because, you know, things can be done in a variety of different coding languages, uh, depending on, you know, what industry you're in. So there's, there's some coding languages that are preferred in the banking industry. And then there's, you know, some that's preferred in like on more on the creative side. So like if you're doing user experience or user interface, you're going to use different types of coding languages and all of that. Then there's also the, the security of all that work that's being done. And so then you also have cybersecurity, which is kind of part of, coding in general as well uh, and, and and preventing preventing attacks and, and understanding how attacks work and just think about like what you have in your house right now that is either tied to Wi-Fi uh, or is tied to an app and it's you know it's not just your computer it's not just uh, your company's website but I mean now there are you know, there, there's digital digital refrigerators, and you can you know control your washer and dryer through an app. I mean, we I control my yeah. thermostat. You know, in our house, we have a, a ring doorbell system. Um, so I mean, there's all these things that are accessible through an app or through your Wi-Fi or your Bluetooth. So now, just think about like if someone was able to you know, infiltrate those devices. And you may not think, well, what if, you know, so if someone can turn my washer and dryer on, well, that's true, but there, there's also ways to then, you know, gain access to your home Wi-Fi system. So, I mean, there's just all of these things that we are dramatically underprepared for from a, a skill there's, there's, there's a massive skill gap in, in, this, in this country as it relates to like coding and cybersecurity jobs. There was an article in 2019 uh, in CyberSeek that, and this was pre-pandemic. And so uh, we've seen in the industry that these numbers have only grown significantly. But pre-pandemic, there was about half a million unfilled cybersecurity jobs in the United States. And in Indiana, where you and I both live, there was 4,500 of those. And so there was a one to almost two and a half supply demand uh, shortage ratio. And so one of the reasons why I was super excited about the opportunity to come and work at 1150 was because we're really trying to skill up as many people as possible in jobs that we know aren't going away. You know, the, these, these jobs are only going to continue to grow and particularly after what we've seen out of uh, COVID. So, so many companies have moved to virtual. It's now it's pretty common for folks to work from home. And so with that comes a lot more uh, pressure on the, the digital, digital and virtual infrastructure for app development to make things easier, not only for employees, but also for customers. And so we've seen this you know, tremendous growth in those areas, but then also you need to be able to protect all of those assets effectively as well. Um, so part of what I do is uh, I'm trying to help grow partnerships across the state and, and ultimately through the Midwest and the country with not only communities that have a shortage in these skill sets, but also with actual employer partners that um, need to bring these people on and are looking for pipeline, talent pipelines, and particularly looking for pipelines from programs that can turn out 
high level entry level graduates in, in a short period of time. So our model is typically 12 to 14 weeks and it's a fully, they're fully immersive programs. And so people that don't necessarily have any coding experience, now they do have to, you know, they still have to gain acceptance into our program. We're not an open door policy where we just, you know, could turn anybody into a coder. But that being said, you do the pre-work, you show that you have the, the chops to be successful you're going to go into a fully immersive program where you're in the classroom, whether in person or online from nine to five, and then you're going to have your teamwork and group work in the evening. And so you are getting a ton of contact hours. You're essentially, it's, we kind of call it uh, like a semester abroad. So you and I both are familiar with, you know, having opportunities to go study a foreign language when you're maybe in high school or in college and they literally, they, they kind of drop you in the environment and it helps you learn that language. Well, we're following a very similar model. You're getting dropped in, learning a new language in, in three months, but it's, it's very, very immersive, you know? So it's not self-paced. It's um, you're, you're kind of drinking from a fire hose. So everything you said, I, I totally agree with. And this, this kind of learning this, these skills are going to be so vital. And sorry, I'm kind of rambling because I get excited about this stuff. <laughs> I know the, you the, 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 the other piece of that, though, is that, to your point, you said this earlier, it's important for people to even have exposure and familiarity with this, even if they're not necessarily becoming like a master coder or, you know, a, a penetration tester on the cybersecurity side. We're, we're in conversations with some liberal arts universities or colleges where they are notorious for churning out incredible graduates in business programs or uh, liberal arts, you know, traditional liberal arts programs or management or finance. What they want is they want to give an opportunity to their students to have some exposure to some of these coding languages, have an understanding of it, be able to at least understand the pain that like software engineers and, you know, web engineers go through so that when these people that graduate could potentially then be in management positions where they're overseeing these folks, but they're not going into it completely blind. So it's it's having an exposure and an understanding allows you to have business empathy and be able to level set expectations um, because there is, there's, there's still massive gaps there in people in terms of like understanding of how long it takes to get this stuff built and, you know, to have those necessary conversations. And so we're seeing opportunities, not just in people that have been displaced because of coronavirus and, and their jobs probably aren't coming back. So, you know, we have a lot of folks that maybe were in the hospitality industry that aren't necessarily going to have a job to go back to. And then we're also seeing people that are probably underemployed. We're creating opportunities for them. And quite honestly, Katie, we can't we can't graduate people fast enough with our employer partners across the state that as soon as we have a graduating class, you know, we're getting these people placed at 70, 75% clip of, of all of our graduates, which is really, really pretty amazing. If you looked at if you look at traditional education models where people are, are pursuing two and four-year degrees, most institutions and universities aren't getting people placed at that high of a rate. So the fact that, that we're able to do it consistently and are graduating about 90% of our folks, and then 70 to 75% of those are getting employed 
typically within 30 to 45 days, even during a pandemic, it shows just how vital these skills are. So I'll pause there. I'll, I'll I just opened up a well, massive no, I, can, but it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible stuff. It, yeah, no, it really is. It really is. And I've learned a lot since talking to you. And I started my kids at five years old on a program called scratch, which yep. is block coding Yep. because I have this view, like the world is made up of this now, just mm-hmm. like I teach them about soil health and and the microbiota and, you know, basic, basic, um, cycles in the ecology. I want them Mm -hmm. to understand the world is made up of this. You should have a base knowledge. So if you decide later to go into it, you're not starting from total ignorance. right? Right. And so, um, they did that and we've moved through and I contacted you one day and said, what do I do next? My 12 year old is, is done with block coding. Like she's ready to move on. She wants to learn one of the languages and I think it's time and she may never do something professionally with it, but just having that like kind of parallel knowledge or, or an understanding of it is going to enable her to work with people who are doing that. And that is happening everywhere. Imagine it's a, it's a business so important a website, to have, you know yeah, what I mean? Like that's right. not a thing anymore. So it's we're so important to have further. that acumen. Yeah. And, and you sent her to Swift Playgrounds, right? Yes, that's yeah. well. I sent her. Yeah, you, you recommended some stuff for me and um, she's tack, she just started tackling that. My kids it's, were in quarantine. I'm pretty sure it's a, it's a, it's a free app. Um, but yeah, it was recommended by, gentleman I work with, Dr. Jonathan Hewer, who's our chief learning officer. Right. And um, yeah, let me know how she likes it because it's um, it's supposed to be really, really cool. And like kind of, if you have an interest, it kind of helps build that interest. And it may even help her identify what like coding languages and, and what direction she kind of wants to go in after mm-hmm. kind of messing around on it for a while. So that's right. cool. I'm excited for her to, to play around with it. Um, there's another cool app called CodePen. Um, and we use that in all of our like free intro coding classes. So folks that have expressed an interest in, in learning about coding attend like a, a two or a three hour free class. Right now we're doing all those virtually, but we will do them in person when the time is right as well. And, and CodePen is pretty cool. It allows you to to type in code and you can like save what you've built and then go back and work on it later. Um, a lot of people actually code in CodePen and uh, it allows you as you grow and acquire knowledge, you can actually go back and look at old code that you've written and realize, oh my gosh, this was, you know, it was, it worked and it did what it's supposed to, but it was really inefficient in how I got there. That's, I, I'm not a coder. I've, I've dabbled a little bit and I've taken some of our free intro classes. And I think my biggest accomplishment was like, I could push a button and it would count how many times I pushed the button. And it was like a live tracker. And I, like, I could figure out how to change it into a different color. And I thought I was like the cat's meow when I figured That's more that than out. I've done. Yeah. yeah. But, but the cool thing is, is that it took me about an hour to figure that out. And so then I, I realized I'm like, holy crap, when you look at like lines of code and pages of code that go into, you know, the graphics and things that you see on a website or, you know, an app, you're like, oh my God, this took me an hour to figure out. And it was just black and white. And it took me another half hour to figure out how to make it red and white. And that was like 90 minutes for me to figure that out. And, And so it is, it is all the job security with it, but People that uh, tend to be on the autism spectrum, we've had a lot of students that have like come through our program that have been on the spectrum and they really thrive in like coding opportunities. It's not for everybody, but we have seen a lot that have been really successful because it is incredibly meticulous. All it takes is like one character to be out of place and 
you can't you can't get the result. You can't get you can't get the you know the the app or the website to work the way that it needs to. And so, people that have that like really intense focus and ability to concentrate on minute details tend to do well. Uh, and so we, we've we've seen some success in that as well. And it really is it is life changing stuff. So. At 11.50, the majority of our students that come through, a third have just like finished high school. They maybe have had some exposure, but not much. Another third have probably tried college and maybe have gone through like a two-year program. And then the other third have already completed maybe a four-year program, but aren't getting exactly what they want uh, in terms of like coding expertise. And so we have kind of a from soup to nuts in terms of experience level on students that come through. And our success level kind of speaks for itself. And so what we're finding is that anybody that has some certain basic capabilities, and again, you can't just pull anybody and everybody off the street and turn them into coders. That model does not work. But we've seen really good success with people that have had little to no experience and then others that have maybe even gone through and gotten a bachelor's in computer science, but didn't get, you know, didn't quite get the level or get their hands as dirty in the coding as they wanted. So uh, it's kind of cool to see these people that literally are having their lives changed. And then also people that are coming to us that are professionals in their forties or fifties and realize if I want to stay relevant, I need to know, more about coding or maybe even become a coder myself so that I can stay relevant in my business. So um, it's just cool. It's cool to, to see a lot of that. Right. I'm, I'm really rolling here, Katie. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. But this, you're making the point that I was trying to make, which is, I think our kids need a base knowledge in this. I think they need to be able to move into and out of other cultures comfortably, and they need to understand how they learn so that they become lifelong learners. So if we find out when our kids are 50 years old that they really need to be moving into, I don't know, implants and eyeballs for whatever, right. um, you know, <laughs> that they know how to go about that. And and it's, it's really fascinating. And it's great to know that there are resources out there and that parents aren't just like reliant on the school system to get this to their kids. Well, and the other, you know, the other thing that that's, that is a, is a real world concern. There's an excellent blog article uh, on the 1150 website. It's will robots take my job? And if you're interested in checking it out, you're going to go to 1150.org backslash will robots take my job. And it talks a little bit about Flippy, the hamburger flipping robot um, that was that was uh, <laughs> recently launched in White Castle, I believe, and maybe a couple other uh, like fast food restaurants. And so everyone's so afraid that these robots are going to take all their jobs, but ultimately you still need people to be able to develop the programming for said robots. You still need to be able to find ways to maintain those robots, make sure that the the code is protected and, you know, relevant and up to date. And so it's just, it's just interesting that robots are coming. You know, we talked a little bit about autonomous cars earlier. Those are all coming, but you still need to be able to, to program, program all of those components. And so those jobs aren't going away. And then another thing I wanted to highlight was that in 2019, NPR reported that 40% of U.S. jobs are in industries that are going to shrink by 2030. And so some of those industries that are going to be the most strongly affected are office support, food service, production work, machine ops, community services, and like machine install and repair. But in all of those industries, 
there's opportunities for those folks that are going to be displaced to go and capture a new skill that in turn could still keep them in uh, like machine operations or in food service if there's no new robots. So again, yeah, the robots are coming and some of the existing jobs are going to probably be eliminated, but there's ways that you can go out and capture skills that will then kind of be recycled back into those industries. So I, I don't know, I could talk about this a lot. Obviously, I, maybe I found a, finally a good job for me uh, now that I've stopped trying to be an entrepreneur. Although I guess I'm still always an entrepreneur, but yeah, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's just really, really, really cool. I would love in a future episode to maybe even have some 1150 graduates on just so that they can talk a little bit about their experience because, uh, and then I know we're coming up on time, but Katie, we've had people that, were displaced that worked in hospitality or were baristas and lost their job during the pandemic that after three months were getting jobs at like like Salesforce in Indianapolis uh, or Lessonly uh, that you know were coming in as entry level software developers or entry level web developers and were making a boatload more than they were making and had you know, the, the the tech world is notorious for having um, more flexible hours or the ability to work from home or um, just a lot of other like progressive way of, of approaching your career. And so just to hear some of these stories, we had a we had a woman, she was a single mom. She got a job with one of the large tech venture firms and they placed her at a position with a tech startup that ultimately didn't get the funding that it needed. And so she came back to us and we helped her get another job. Her first job took her from making about 25 grand a year to about 50. And then when we took, placed her again, they moved her into a job that was paying her 85. This was in the span of a year. So it was just amazing for her to be able to see that kind of unfold when she wasn't, you know, naturally a coder. So it was anyway, th- there's a million of those stories, but the even more important actor in all of this is that these jobs aren't going away. And so it is important that we teach our kids to to be able to be prepared to operate in a world that may not exist yet, but it's coming. And so for your daughter, that's, you know, working on the Swift Playgrounds app and is really into this and is learning about it, she's going to be in such better shape over the course of the next five or 10 years by just having kind of had a natural interest in it and, and, you know, messing around with it. And then if, you know, if she wants, I can, I can recommend an institution for her to go to. to, to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like you can. Yeah. So anyway, I didn't mean to hijack your topic, but I felt like this was like, this was an exciting one for me. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's right up your lane. I want to know what other people think we're missing that we as parents need to make sure our kids get before they leave our roofs. You know, I'd like to, what else do you think is really critical that's on us to teach them or to make sure that they're actually learning instead of just skating through? Um, Anyway, so yeah. So, so in addition to going to audibletrial.com backslash Katie and me podcast, and getting your free trial, yep. everybody should email Chris at katieandme.com or Katie at katieandme.com, K-A-T-Y, and um, let us know what you want to make sure your kids are learning to help prepare them for a world that we don't yet know, that doesn't even exist yet. Great, Katie. Thanks so much for uh, sharing everything today. 
Yep. Thank you guys. It was nice to see you on Zoom someday Always. in the studio again. Hopefully soon. All right. Take care.